Welcome to Click, Treat, Repeat. This is a horse-focused podcast discussing positive reinforcement training, equine management and welfare, and other horse-related topics. So let's get started. Another kind of random thing in mixing for me that brings up a little bit of uh, concerns is the idea of like, we don't really know which reinforcer is actually more salient in that situation. I mean, a lot of the time it ends up being negative reinforcement with the cherry on top, which is basically where the pressure is the salient reinforcer. Um, and by salient, I just mean the one that is most motivating the horse and the one that's actually responsible for them, you know, like changing their behavior. So, you know, a lot of the times with negative reinforcement, the cherry on top, it's the pressure and then the, the treats just the cherry on top. It's just kind of a little extra and, you know, they may you like if you're being forced to work, you might rather still get a little treat at the end, but above all, you'd rather not be forced to work. So I can see how getting that little treat at the end could be a little bit of an improvement, but when it's coming after being forced to do something, then that can, you know, not be as nice, um, but it may still be an improvement over being forced and no treat at the end. And again, like negative reinforcement doesn't have to mean force, but it doesn't really provide for choice in the same way that positive reinforcement does um, unless you genuinely like only ask them once and then if they say no you stop which I don't think really works well with negative reinforcement if you want to do any type of effective training that's not going to work so um, it's just really tough to maintain that same level of choice there so I just think that's interesting is that we don't really know what reinforcer is working there and I think that that's a little scary when we don't know what exactly we're doing is actually motivating what the horse is doing. Cause I think what's so empowering about positive reinforcement and also about people who are now learning a lot about learning theory, who are doing negative reinforcement is really knowing like what we're doing and how that's impacting the horse's behavior. But when you're mixing like that, you don't really know for sure what you're like, which one is the more salient reinforcer. And that can just be really tough for you know, changing behavior and making sure that what's going on is actually, you know, ethical and effective. So yeah, I would just be careful of that. Um, and I think a lot of the time people think it's the treat and it's actually the pressure when they're mixing. So that's just, you know, something to think about and be aware of. Yeah, that's true. I know I missed the gender gate clinic, but you told me that she said, a behavior can only be on either negative reinforcement or positive reinforcement, not both. So it's true that regardless of whether or not we're using a treat afterwards, they could still be responding to the pressure. And the treat is just like a cherry on top, like most trainers would say. Yes, she did say that. And I asked her for more information about it and where to find resources on it and uh, never really ended up with like a clear answer for that. But um Definitely, there is information out there about, you know, even if both are doing a little bit, there's definitely one that is like actually the more salient one. So, I mean, maybe the treat is like, oh, that's cool, but it's not sufficient on its own or it's not as motivating as the pressure is. Um, so, yeah, I think that's something I'd just like to see a lot more research on too is how different motivators can work together at the same time or whether they can and all those sorts of things so yeah I'd really like to see more research come out on that but I think one thing is well I guess related to that is the idea of poison cue 
And I think with mixing, you run a big risk of, I guess, poisoning a cue, which poisoning a cue is basically when the horse will learn to associate the cue with something unpleasant. And then that will just kind of lead to the cue basically being a negative thing instead of cueing the behavior that you want. And then that can also even lead to the idea of, you know, you standing there with your treat pouch, getting a treat can even become poisoned if it's always kind of following after you've used pressure and you're then going to feed the horse. So, um, I mean, I don't think food can be poisoned because food is a primary reinforcer. We talked about this briefly before too, but definitely the idea of, you know, like you standing there with a treat pouch can be poisoned and just the cues that you're using in general in your training can definitely be. So that's just something to be aware of as well. And I think sometimes the uncertainty of not knowing whether you're going to get the pressure or get a treat or what can kind of lead to some of that. Yeah. And realistically that can happen with positive reinforcement too, like not using punishment or not trying to use punishment or negative reinforcement. Like I've talked before about using a target and how sometimes that can make the horse feel like they have to chase it. And then that on its own could become a poison cue, which is something I'm dealing with. So poison cues are something I feel like in general are just a good idea to avoid if you can. And I feel like it's true that mixing, especially within a session, could bring a lot of conflict that could cause poison cues. Yeah, for sure. I know many trainers like uh, Adele Shaw, the Willing Equine, really recommend being very clear about when you're going to be using negative reinforcement and when you're going to be using positive reinforcement if you do decide to kind of mix. So in the sense of like, you know, you may have behaviors that you're doing with negative reinforcement and that's okay, but doing them in a specific context and, you know, maybe a specific place or even as simple as like when you have your treat pouch on, although I would be very careful to make sure that the horse is picking up on that before you rely on that to be kind of the the differentiator between what what type of training you're doing. But yeah, so I think that's pretty pretty common view with a lot of positive reinforcement trainers that it's good to be kind of very careful about communicating to the horse what you're going to be doing and it makes sense for horses being prey animals that they can be prone to being fearful of new things there are a lot of studies out there that show that horses are fearful of novel stimuli naturally and so in general, if you're doing a lot of very new or unexpected things, or they just don't know what's going to happen, that can be a big source of anxiety for them. So just being very careful that they're going to expect and know kind of what's coming up, um, or at least that they won't fear that there's going to be something negative coming up. Yeah, for sure. I think the giving them some kind of really clear context cue, if you're choosing to mix, is a really good idea because ultimately being as predictable as possible is what's best for both you and your horse because you want to be confident and you want them to be confident and I feel like it's just the best way to go about it if you still need to use negative reinforcement for some reason or if you choose to maybe ride with negative reinforcement or whatever the case at least if you can give your horse some kind of heads up about what kind of session they're walking into that's better off for everybody Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I know people who do mix, you know, within session and it's their, I guess, you know, primary choice of training is to use a lot of negative reinforcement and also positive reinforcement regularly. And 
Um, you know, I see a lot of varying things there. I see some people that I know doing it pretty well and having horses that don't seem stressed. And then I see other people who I'm like, okay, yeah, that's a clear sign of stress. So um, both people I know in person and people from online, I kind of see um, it go both ways. And that's normal. I mean, with any style of training, you can see some people doing it in a way that's going to cause stress. Same with positive reinforcement. I see plenty of people online who do positive reinforcement where, again, like you said, with the target thing, I see so many stressed horses like with their with a whole like totally stressed face ears pinned back and they're just like chasing the target clearly very frustrated and it's like yeah um not great so i mean you can have that happen with any style of training um and i would say probably one of the biggest things when you are mixing is to really be aware of what your horse is communicating with their very subtle body language and their um you know small movements facial expressions things like that so really being aware of those things. I definitely do not think mixing is for beginners. Um, Again, if you're just switching to positive reinforcement and you're doing some things with negative reinforcement, some things with positive reinforcement, I do think that that is more, um, you know, more doable and different than intentionally mixing within one session with one behavior. Um, And so if you are doing that within one session with one behavior, I would say you should be very experienced, have a very good understanding of positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, body language, facial expressions, you should just be like very experienced, very knowledgeable on horse communication and behavior. Um, And also just be looking for those signs. And then on the other hand, I think when we're using negative reinforcement and possibly punishment, there is a risk of overlooking those stress signs, even as somebody who's really experienced, um, just because also the horse may not show as many stress signs if that, if, if it's sort of being suppressed through punishment or just possibly even not something you're doing, but the history that the horse has, or, um, you know, things like that may kind of suppress them from showing some of those behaviors. So there's a 2018 study called poker face discrepancies in behavior in effective states in horses during stressful handling procedures. It's by squib at all. And they found that um, horses who were um, completing a task, they showed no like behavioral indicators, whether or not they were stressed or didn't want to complete that task, but they had a higher heart rate. Um, some of them did. And so that, and they also had a higher cortisol levels. So that's kind of an indicator that um, compliance is not a super good indicator of whether or not a horse is actually comfortable performing performing a behavior and that horses may actually hide some of those behavioral signs when they're going through and um, doing one of those behaviors. So I think that that's just something to be aware of is that even if you're not seeing that stress like super clearly, if the horse is not, you know, walking up to you when you're like going to get them or if they walk away from you in a session or things like that, that can just be a sign of like, even if you're not seeing those other signs of stress, like even if you just see one small thing, you need to take that really seriously because some of them may kind of be suppressed. Um, So yeah, that's kind of a lot, but I just think that that's all really important is to really be very experienced and very knowledgeable if you're going to choose to do this. And then also be aware that the, the act of using punishment at all and possibly also negative reinforcement may lead to some of that suppression of the signs that would actually show you the horse is stressed which to me is really dangerous because those are signs that you want to be able to see and you really don't want to suppress 
Yeah, I agree with all of that. But it was a lot, so it's hard to find talking points. Um, Sorry. It's <laughs> okay. There was so much. I just it was a lot. I was like, wait, 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 more. I have so much. <laughs> there is so much, though. I have one anecdotal experience with mixing because one of the horses at work is just, he's on a mission <laughs> all the time. He always wants to get to where he's going fast. So they already use negative reinforcement. So I didn't feel like it was unethical to use it at the time, but he just has a halter and lead rope to go in and out of the barn, whatever. But to stop him previously, I would have to like physically hold him into place because he would just keep walking. Like there was no response to the pressure. So I would use the lead rope to apply a little bit of pressure on the halter and then also stop walking myself. And if he stopped at all, then I would click and treat. And I was just using hay pellets, nothing crazy. But within like three or four repetitions, he was already doing it the second I was moving the lead rope. So it can be done well, but I feel like you said it's really tricky to know whether or not they're suppressing suppressing their emotions or just not displaying them, or maybe they're having really subtle signs that you're missing. So it's definitely not for just a beginner clicker trainer. And like any training, it can be done really poorly or it can be done pretty well. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And I think, you know, it's, I don't think it's our goal to be like, oh my God, mixing is the absolute worst. I think it's just our goal to say like, oh, there are these studies out there that show like, oh, there are some positive things from mixing as opposed to just negative reinforcement, but then to also share like, okay, we have some concerns about it because of how, um, you know, the horse is going to react to different reinforcers and how we are really looking for giving the horse choice and really letting the horse be able to like express themselves and um, things like that. And so we have a little bit of worry that the benefits that we get from that with positive reinforcement might be limited by bringing in some negative reinforcement there. Um, and I definitely don't think that like mixing is terrible or that negative reinforcement is terrible. I know plenty of people who mix and or use only negative reinforcement and they have really happy horses that have their five freedoms met and you know, live a really good life. And those horses are in a really good situation, even though maybe that's not how I would do things with training. So definitely, um, you know, there's, there are probably a lot of people who are really great trainers who do mixing who train better than I do with mixing. And that's great. But I'm just hesitant to see people who don't know what they're doing do it just because it can be harmful. Um, and in general, with my training, um, I like to take a little bit of a, I guess, better safe than sorry approach to things. If there is seeming to be a significant chance that something might be causing stress and it's not something that's like absolutely necessary, I like to kind of shy away from that just because, I mean, what's really the the benefit versus the drawback of doing that thing? It's like, well, if I continue mixing, then the benefit might be that, you know, it's good training if I'm doing it well and it's working well. But then the drawback on the other hand is that I could be overlooking something and there could actually be, you know, something that's really negative for my horse that I'm overlooking. And so I think um, I just try to be really careful with that. So I try to avoid those type of things. Um, that's also why if I see any little sign of stress in my horse, I'm going to avoid doing whatever that was. And other people may think that that is too much. They might think like that was just a tiny little thing, whatever, it's fine, just keep going. And that's, that's okay. I mean, I'm not going to say that people are wrong. Like with the pain face, there might be information coming out saying that, oh, horses can have a concentration face, whatever, but kind of similarly to, you know, on both of these issues, 
I'd rather take the stance of like, I'm just going to be really safe and not do something that might potentially lead to stress. And other people might feel differently on that for, you know, a variety of reasons. And that's okay. But that's just kind of my viewpoint on it. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Click, Treat, Repeat. Feel free to check us out on Instagram at Click, Treat, Repeat Pod. You can find Jen at Genuine Equine and myself at bonafide.bt. We upload new episodes every other Monday and hope to see you then. Happy training.